Louise McSharry on 2FM. It is Eating Disorders Awareness Week this week in Ireland and it's a chance for professionals, carers and those living with disordered eating to highlight the conditions that seriously damage the body and the mind. Recovery is possible and there are people out there who want to help. There are supports available, albeit maybe not as much as there should be. One of those people who wants to help is Jacqueline Campion, who is eating distress practitioner and recovery coach working at the Merino Therapy Centre. She hosts the Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast, Calling It Out. And she joins me now on the line. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi, Louise. Thank you so much for coming on to chat to me today. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited to be talking. And how wonderful to hear, even in the introduction, that recovery is possible. So fantastic. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And I suppose that's really why you, you wanted to talk to me today, because that's what Eating Disorder Awareness Week is about, I suppose, isn't it? It's about telling people that recovery is possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, I'd love, I think, Eating Disorders Awareness Week. I'd love to rename it almost kind of Recovery Awareness Week and Freedom Awareness Week. And I suppose like at at Merino Therapy Centre, you know, we would use the kind of term eating distress because the disorder kind of diagnostic would almost kind of imply that somebody experiencing an eating distress, which is is kind of like that they're disordered. So the main Mm -hmm. thing is, is that like, you know, if you are experiencing challenges, um, you know, around your body, around nutrition, it's, you know, you are not disordered. It is this, the distress that's eating us. And it's a wonderful opportunity to really talk about that full freedom is possible and you can be fully recovered because, unfortunately, we still have a little bit of work to do there, but incredible changes are happening. But it's not something you need to learn to live with or learn to um, manage. So, you know, people are recovering every day. So there is so much hope out there and um, even amidst all the kind of chaos and the challenges mm. that we can be experiencing. I suppose uh, the traditional view of eating disorders is quite narrow. People kind of immediately think of, well, they tend to think of women, they tend to think of thin women and they tend to think about anorexia and bulimia. But it, there's so much more to it than that, isn't there? Um, absolutely, you know, and it's just a wonderful opportunity even to kind of get the, continue to get the message out there of, you know, with whatever kind of gender that you're identifying with, this is across the board. Eating distress does not discriminate. And this old damaging narrative of, you know, that it depends like what size you are that would determine what kind of danger that you're in or how much of a challenge. This is very much so eating distress um, or as most kind of refer to them as eating disorders it's a condition of the mind you know there is a bully and a dictator in the mind and it doesn't discriminate um it doesn't discriminate across gender you know sexual orientation or anything like that and it's keeping those old narratives we have a great opportunity to kind of just broaden the conversation and encourage you know people who are suffering in silence that it is safe to come forward and it isn't unusual what you're experiencing because you know, to, to keep hearing that it's just you have to be a certain size or because especially with the nature of eating distress, I mean, that what what goes along with that, it's pretty much if we just called it a not good enough syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very challenging to think that you're actually even sick enough, as strange as the term may sound, um, sick enough to even ask for help, that it's not bad enough, that it's probably just a bit of a phase and you don't want to bring too much attention or drama as the kind of bully in your head would would kind of see it so absolutely it doesn't discriminate and I suppose you know you do often 
well maybe not as much now as, which I suppose is a good thing but at one stage you would have heard mm. in the reporting of people who experienced um, eating distress you would have heard uh, you know people saying oh she she was down to X stone and yeah. um, you know at my lowest I was this and a lot of photographs and stuff and that stuff can actually be very dangerous can't it? Oh absolutely um, and you know one thing I would recommend or even just kind of ask is that like you know, with the week that's in it, with Eating Disorders Awareness Week, you know, please bring your kind of armour with that. And if you can, and maybe spread the message of just not to share these, you know, the before and after photographs or the sensationalism. Like, unfortunately, that is the nature sometimes that um, of kind of how it's covered. That we want to see, like, I mean, I'm very used to kind of being asked, like, as someone who's fully recovered myself, I'm often asked for photographs as kind of quote unquote when I was at my worst and sure I most of the time I never looked like physically there was much going on but I was in I was in a lot of um you know dark and dangerous times regardless of what I looked like so yeah just it's so important to remind ourselves that it doesn't matter about what way that you're looking or somebody is looking and please if you could if anyone's tempted to share this is where I was and this is where I am now on social media platforms, it's not very helpful, you know, um, in the journey towards recovery and freedom. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And uh, I mentioned there that, you know, most people tend to think of anorexia or bulimia, but there are lots of different types of uh, eating distress that come under the umbrella, aren't there? Yeah, sorry. So, yeah, there's like absolutely, you know, the kind of dependency on exercise is a huge one at the moment. The obsession with health foods, you know, you hear terms like orthorexia, you know, people refer to it as exercise addiction. You've got ARFID, OSFID, all these wonderful kind of labels. And it's very much so kind of what's damaging at the moment is that a lot of these kind of, would you say, distresses or disordered styles of behaviours as they're often kind of referred to is that they're often celebrated. So we can really be, you know, like a well well done you were out in the gym today or you're you're going on your walk or well done you're healthy eating and there's a lot of very kind of typically promoted healthy behaviors that in, but actually being carried out in a very unhealthy way mm. so kind of it's it's so important to kind of shine the light of you know even things like you know nice eating emotional overeating these are still carrying so much shame and stigma because of such a narrow narrative around the kind of anorexia and bulimia. And don't get me wrong, you know, that is, they are very challenging um, behaviours. But most people who experience eating distress or eating disorders, they're, 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 I mean, especially my own personal experiences, you tend to kind of tick a few boxes and you go kind of from one behaviour to the other. Yeah. And you know, just to take those other ones quite seriously, emotional overeating is still something that is often just kind of put aside to, you know, oh, just maybe eat less, eat more, move more, and sure, that's it, you know. But there's so much more going on underneath the surface when someone's experiencing those behaviours. Yeah, I, I definitely want to talk a little bit more about that. But before we do, I think what you said there is really interesting about the fact that some of the behaviours, which might be symptomatic of a greater problem, are perceived mm-hmm. as healthy behaviours. Um and I think that that's a real issue that we have because generally any kind of weight loss is perceived as a positive thing by most people. Um, mm-hmm. It tends to be something that people get a lot of praise for. And nobody really questions where the weight loss is coming from. You know, it might be coming from a time mm-hmm. of ex- a severe stress. It might be coming from eating distress. It might be coming from, a, a, you know, another type of illness. And yet we continue to kind of live this vibe of, oh, you know, you're down, you're down five pounds or you're down a size or whatever. And that's too be celebrated no matter what the context 
Absolutely. And I think it's it's bringing awareness to that, you know, the whole kind of, or like I suppose it's kind of almost like in a society kind of recovering from old conditioning. Yeah. I think a lot of this is even like a subconscious thing that many of us are only starting to wake up and realise that how much we, you know, when the words are coming out of your mouth, you're often saying more about yourself than anybody else. Mm. So I think even that idea, like, you know, the, the changing of sizes and the celebrating this and the celebrating, you know, Oh, I, you know, attaching your worth, and so it's when you get when you get that feedback as well of like, oh, well done, you you you've you've moved more because that's so challenging, you know, to kind of. I suppose it can be just kind of quite demotivating when you're getting these kind of messages, and um, yeah, like you said, just celebrating this kind of change in size, and it's it's um you know the behaviors are are not the problem they're a solution to the underlying issue and that's as i said the distress that's eating the person and yeah yeah, just even bringing awareness to our own language and our own kind of you know it's not a shame or a guilt many of us aren't even aware we're doing it yeah but just even asking ourselves is that helpful yeah you know just simple questions like that yeah and it can be really hard like i made a decision some years ago to to never comment on or to try to never Mm. comment on someone's body at all Mm. um you know whether i think they look great or whatever i'll say you look great but i won't talk specifically about their body but still i have to fight it because we are socialized to do it and if you see someone and they've lost weight i have to sometimes and even me and i think about this stuff a lot i have to sometimes Mm. like clamp my hand over my mouth because the you have you lost weight is kind of coming out and um, you yeah. really have to be conscious of it to stop yourself so I think it's right that you say like you know there's no point in feeling guilty about it it's the world that we live in but in order to change it we have to really work at that now I wanted to go back to um you, you know you were talking about the complexity that the you know the eating or the the food is actually kind of symptomatic of a deeper problem and I think mm. it's really important that we talk a little bit about that so that anybody who's listening who maybe hasn't you know identified that they have a problem and might recognize that perhaps they do. So, you know, obviously you have your own experience of eating distress, but what do you think is our common threads for people who maybe need a little bit of extra support when it comes to their relationship with food and their bodies or how they're feeling? Yeah, so I suppose if if someone is maybe listening, first of all, it can be, um, for just a reminder, I suppose looking out for maybe I would always say the three A's. So kind of like a, a first three, it's like awareness, acceptance, and action. So the first one, if you want to identify something, is looking at the self-talk, bringing more awareness to the language that you're using. You know, is there a lot of can'ts, have to, shoulds, need to in the self-talk that you're using, in the language of how you speak to yourself? You know, if there's a very big divide between how you speak to yourself and how you speak to your best friend, it gives us information that there is maybe a very kind of like a bully or a dictator in the mind. So very simply, you know, if, if you're feeling a lot of kind of pressure or have to, or you're monitoring, you know, what you are kind of, how you're nourishing your body, how you're not nourishing your body, if you're at a place where you feel like the body doesn't deserve to kind of even be looked after, that you feel like, you know, what's the point? There can be a lot of language of like, what's the point if only... Um, can't have to, should, need to. And get just ask, it's a great opportunity to even look at, even simple questions for any of your listeners. How would I describe my relationship with nutrition? How would I describe my relationship with my body? How would I describe my relationship with exercise or movement? And there are three really powerful questions mm-hmm. just to actually get curious as opposed to critical. Yeah. I think the labels like disorder, you could kind of think, I know for like, it's not always inviting to kind of go, oh, that's something that I might want to look at yeah. and see if it applies to me. Like, well, nobody no, 
nobody nobody wants it. Yeah. No, no. But I think it's so important. It's like there is no shame. You know, this is a temporary thing. It's just information, you know, and actually just getting curious as opposed to critical and just simple questions. Awareness of the self-talk. Is there pressure? Can't have to, should or need to. And just getting curious about your relationship with, um, you know, the body, the food, the movement and, and exercise and, and just see what comes up. You know, get curious. It's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. You know, this can be a precursor for very exciting change it doesn't always feel like that at the time but you know I've not met anybody who's regretted it yet yeah well that's that's what I was going to say is that I suppose once you come to terms with the fact that you need some help with something or that you have a problem with something with anything you know with with eating or with anything you know that's a start because then you can seek out the help or the support and you can hopefully make progress so let's talk a little bit about what supports are available if someone's listening and they're thinking do you know what actually I think I need to come face to face with the fact that I'm I'm having problems in this area. Who do they who do they go to? What do they do? Yeah, so I suppose the first thing, like, okay, in terms of like, you know, ourselves and myself and how we would work at the Merino Therapy Centre, like even first of all, even you'd mentioned the podcast earlier on, calling mm-hmm. it out. The first thing to do I suppose the first thing to do is even it can be it can be a challenge of one because we still need a lot of understanding in the area. So I suppose I'll just speak maybe more about kind of what we would do at the centre. And even the first thing is just even to get in contact, you know, even through the Merino Therapy Centre or listening to the podcast, calling it out or going onto the Instagram at Merino TC and actually just starting to even see like what you can kind of are there kind of um, things that you can kind of relate to and just learning about eating the stress. And more importantly, learning about freedom from it, because that is absolutely possible. So one thing is that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You're not on your own in this. We we hold groups um, twice a week online and there's such a strong community of people to come in together. So the first thing I would say is there's nothing to be afraid of. You're not on your own and there are resources. And that's the thing, even like with the podcast just listening to the episodes, getting curious, learning about your self-talk and learning how you can actually shift your thinking in order to melt any of those destructive behaviours and start living life on your terms, you know, mm. without that kind of pressure in the background. Mm. There is a real criminal lack of support, though, isn't there? You know, in terms of the infrastructure, we really need to improve in that area severely, mm. don't we? Uh, criminal is, I think, the perfect word for it, Louise. Um, and I often have to, that's, I suppose it's, it's, I can often get quite bogged down and have the questions of like, what is going on, you know? Um, but I think there is, there is great change happening, but absolutely, you know, this, this is, you know, I'm not going to sugar, like recovery is possible mm-hmm. and it's so exciting. But if this, if we, we need to kind of look at the understanding and even the understanding in the services mm-hmm. um, and it needs a complete it needs a it needs a lot of restructuring, but um, yeah, that's a that's that's quite a a big conversation. <laughs> I yeah. think we need even longer <laughs> than the show for that one. But like eating the stress and anything, there is there is support out there between yeah. groups, between podcasts. You can do so much work even yeah. in the meantime with the challenges that are there at the moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely understand. Obviously, you don't want to encourage anyone, but it's, you know, we can't not acknowledge that, you know, yeah. what is actually yeah. there in terms of infrastructure and services is severely mm. lacking. Um, but it's great that there are there are things like the podcast and even, as you said, Instagram. Like, I think online, you know, gets a lot of negative chat in, even specifically in this area, but it can be a great source of support as well, can't it? 
Absolutely. Like through the, the and that's with the Marino TC Instagram, like just the, the sense of community is just it, like I am consistently inspired and encouraged by people on this journey. And it is such a lovely space. Um, and the people who are part of the space are actually making that experience. So between the groups that we hold twice a week and through Instagram like there's great things happening like I used to get quite bogged down kind of go Janie we've so far to go and we do but there's just such a wonderful sense of community that it is it's actually challenging not to have hope which sounds a bit funny to say like to some Mm. people at the moment with all the challenges but people who are recovering and, and through Instagram and learning from what we we're learning from one another is just is just key. It is a powerful, powerful thing. So mm. yeah, there, there's definitely dark sides to it, but if you just you know sort out the algorithm and uh, <laughs> stay in your own lane with what you want to see, you know there's yeah. great stuff out there. Um, before I let you go, can I just ask, um, if you're a family member or a loved one of someone and you're listening and you're worried about them, what can you do? Fabulous question. So the first thing is one learn again no fears you know worries like a rocking chair it's getting it's kind of giving you something to do but getting you nowhere learning about the eating stress so even if you are a family member or a partner and or a friend again even listening to the podcast learning the language because eating the stress can be you know the natures of it it doesn't want to be found out sometimes the bully kind of wants to kind of go and notice so you can there is a certain kind of language so when you learn about eating the stress and you learn about recovery that is the most help that's the most effective you can be as a carer mm-hmm. coming to the groups on Saturdays you know carers come along they ask questions how to support um, and really kind of looking at your own fears as well because verbal communication is only 7% so when you're very afraid and nervous and even if you don't believe in full recovery yourself um, that can be quite challenging so just learning about recovery learn about freedom and you know even coming along to groups or you know asking questions that between the, the you know on Instagram if if you want to even send a DM and things like that there's a there's a lot of things there just how we can be supporting but even just watching your own language you know just mm. even personally you know do I put what's my relationship like with my body with myself with my movement you know mm. am I using a lot of can't have to should am I living a very fast paced busy life where I could tend to be quite critical on myself even just working on yourself not being a role model for perfection but just even being a role model for your own kind of freedom journey is Mm. is so so powerful okay well look I mean honestly I could talk to you for for seven hours I feel like about this but I really appreciate you sharing your experience and wisdom with us today that's Jacqueline Campion eating distress practitioner and recovery coach working at Marino Therapy Centre and the host of the eating disorder recovery podcast or eating distress I presume you would prefer sorry the eating distress recovery podcast calling it out thank you so much Jacqueline thank you so much have a great day thank you Louise McSherry on 2FM